the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. One reasonable question to ask is, what is this news and what makes it good? The angel's saying it's good news. Everyone's going to be overjoyed by it. So what's so special about this news? Obviously, the angel says what the good news is, is now about to arung awaited Messiah that the Jews have been expecting is now about to arrive. When this good news came 2,000 years ago, things were not so good. There was also bad news going around. And probably more than anything for the Jews, the biggest burden, the biggest obstacle that they were enduring was rule by the Romans. Foreign people were ruling over them, and not in a just way, but rather in a corrupt way. And so, since the time of King David, the Jews had been waiting for their own king, a king to rule over their own nation. They had been waiting for this Messiah that, that is finally born on this night. A Messiah that could unite them, a Messiah that could free them from foreign rule, so they could become their own nation so they could have something of their own. This is the good news they were waiting for, and it's the shepherds who received it from the angel. But again, why is this news so good and joyful? Okay, they have this idea of freedom that they're about to grasp. It's within reach now that this Messiah has arrived. But the Jews had kings before. The Jews had solid kings. The Jews had kings who did good things for their people. Like I mentioned, they had King David, who was very well known for bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, who was very well known for writing the Psalms and establishing a system of worship for the Jews. That's a great thing for a king to do. They had Solomon, who was David's son, who actually built the temple who actually built a physical place of worship that was magnificent for the Jews, so they could all come together and worship God. But these kingdoms didn't last, obviously. Both of these individuals, King David, his son Solomon, they had their flaws, they had their shortcomings, they had their sins, and their kingdoms didn't last. They did good. But the good they did was overshadowed by also their, the, the amount of times that they failed. So we should ask again, why is this news so good and joyful? The angel says later, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. This news is so good and so joyful not just for the Jews, but for everybody, because it brings actual peace that human kings and human governments cannot provide us. It brings actual peace that's transcendent, that lasts. 
And again, not just for the Jews, but for the entire world. Those who believe in God and those who don't believe in God yet. When we think of peace, when someone asks us to define peace, what would we say? Is peace just no fighting? Is peace, is peace just no wars? Is peace just finally got the house that I wanted? Is peace just I finally made the amount of money I was going for? Is peace just I'm not arguing with my wife, I'm not arguing with my husband right now. My kids are listening to me. My parents are giving me what I need. Those things, like the kingdoms we just talked about, likes do not provide us with a definitive peace, a peace that lasts, a peace that changes us into something better. Peace is much more than that, brothers and sisters. Peace is when things are in their place. Peace is when things are rightly ordered. When we know who we are and what we're supposed to do about it. In our case, real peace that will last and change us into something better, something we need to be, something we're called to be, that peace is when we turn from sin and we turn towards God by knowing Him and loving Him, by knowing Him and choosing Him, and as a result, loving our neighbor the way that we love ourselves. That's peace. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what God, that's why God breaks into, into human time to reconcile humanity back to Him. That's why. Because that brings us peace. Because that's what human beings are made to do. That's what brings human beings happiness. That's what calms down the restless heart of the human being. Who can bring this peace? That's another question. Who can bring this peace? Who can not only announce that message and talk about that message, but also be that message? Is it just any king? The Jews had David, they had Solomon, they had a lot of other kings, they had a lot of other prophets. But could they solve the problem of sin? At this time, the Jews were back from exile. There were a lot of Jews living in Judea, in this region where Jesus is born, and where he later has his ministry. But there were still scattered Jews in that geographical location, and they were not fully in possession of the promised land. They were not fully in possession of this land that was promised to them for years and years and years, for centuries. Because again, the Romans were ruling over them. But the real problem, everyone's real problem, your problem and my problem, is sin and death. Because that prevents us from inheriting the real promised land, which is the kingdom of God, which is the rest that God offers us. The rest that he offers us in the midst of everything that we distract ourselves with, ultimately in the midst of sin. So who brings this peace? God himself. Not just any random human being, not just any very good virtuous human being, but God himself in the flesh. God who emptied himself to dwell among us. God who became one of us 
to free us from a slavery to sin. God who became one of us so that we could become like Him. Who can receive this peace? Who can accept this peace? The angel says it's for everybody. Peace among men, that's for everybody. But there's a qualification. It's not that easy. Peace among men with whom he is well pleased. The arrival of Christ, the birth of this child, the saving action that we see later from Christ is not just for everybody. It's for those who accept it. It's for those who have hearts that are soft enough to accept it. It's, those, it's for those who have hearts that are ready enough to change, to turn from sin and turn towards God in knowledge and in love, and as a result, to love their neighbors as much as themselves. That's who can receive this peace. It's available to everybody, but not everyone accept it, accepts it. Some people don't care. Some people hear about Christ. Some people are given scripture. Some people are given every resource to turn from sin and to turn towards God, and they don't care. Why? Stubbornness, sinfulness, selfishness, blindness, ignorance. People see this message as not enough. They think the things of the world are enough. They don't think that they need a father who loves them enough to free them from sin because they think they can find that love and that peace somewhere else in this world. God wants to find these people. He wants to find me and you, but sometimes we stay lost on purpose in our sins, thinking that we can find peace anywhere else. But I invite anybody to go try. A lot of you are older than me. A lot of you are parents. You can probably speak to this better than I can. Where in this world can we find lasting peace, something that lasts forever, something that changes us? What does it look like when we accept that peace? What does it look like when we come to church on this day and celebrate the birth of Christ and actually mean it? What does it look like when we take this whole thing seriously? What does it look like? As we know, this is a time to give presents to our families and our friends, and that's great. That's a great tradition. And receiving something like that makes us feel happy because it makes us feel like someone thought about us, enough to give us a gift. Brothers and sisters, Christ himself, on his own birthday, is the one giving us a gift. And what is that gift? Himself. God gives us himself as a gift. Think of all the gifts you're thinking about giving other people. Thinking about all, think about all the gifts you've been receiving in these days. Has anyone given themselves to you as a gift? Have you decided to give yourself to anyone as a gift? The one whose birthday it is gives the greatest gift that has ever been given in history. God becoming man in order to show us what true love looks like. Parents, your kids don't need anything that you're giving them. And at the end of the day, they don't. And sons and daughters, 
Your friends and your parents and your siblings, they don't need anything you're giving them. Whether it's cash or something material, whatever it is. They don't need anything you're giving them. What they need at the end of the day is the giving of self. Parents, what your children need is for you to be moms and dads for them. Children, what your parents need for, from you is for you to be loving and obedient to them. What we need desperately in a time of selfishness, in a time of ignorance, in a time of sin, is for us to love each other genuinely, to love God genuinely. And genuine love is the giving of self. The same way that God himself, who exists outside of space and time, broke into human history and gave us himself. Not just in any, any random way. Be, being born in a manger. Being born in a box where animals eat from. Brothers and sisters, anyone who looks at today's gathering and this Mass and all of the Masses that we had yesterday and the Masses that we still have to celebrate, anyone who looks at these, at these gatherings of God's people coming together to pray together, anyone who looks at this will be overjoyed. It's amazing to see this. It's amazing to see this many people gathered. It's annoying with the traffic and dealing with everything and standing for hours and hours all day on the part of the clergy, but at the same time, it's a good feeling of being tired. It's a good feeling of being tired because what's going on is so much bigger than our feeling of tiredness. The birth of Christ gathers us together, not just today, not just yesterday on Christmas Eve, but it should gather us together, it should be on our minds every day, every day of the calendar, and especially every Sunday, where we gather here and we memorialize, we remember what this child that was born today did for us in his death. This child that was born to die, we remember what he did for us in his death every Sunday. You can find all kinds of temporary happiness in this world. You can have all the kinds of fun you want in this world. But what you can't find in the world, what you can't find out there with your friends, even your family, what you can't find is salvation. Salvation you only find by coming to the Father's house. Salvation you can only find by becoming a son and a daughter, by lowering yourself in humility to be receptive enough to the salvation that God offers us. That's why it's so important to come to this church, brothers and sisters, to this hospital for sinners. Because the treatment we get here, the medicine we get here, it's not found anywhere else in the world except for this Father's house. If you really want to give someone a gift that has meaning, give them yourself and bring them to Mass next Sunday and as many Sundays as you can that follow to worship Him who gave Himself as a gift not only to his own friends or to his own family, but for the whole human race that is sick in sin and in need of him and the peace that he gives. Amen.